hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. No better way to quiet your critics than to go to victory lane. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar series. And Alex Malone, the NTT IndyCar champion. Thank you so much. Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. No matter whether it's a street circuit, a road course, a super speedway, or a small oval, it's fantastic, and there's more to come in 2022. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. And we welcome everyone that is a member of the IndyCar Nation to our little weekly get-together here on NBC Sports Audio Channel 85. But this one is special. Special because, well, it is a two-day test, and day one has been completed, and amidst a great deal of controversy in preparation for the launching of the Indianapolis 500, 32 entries took to the two-and-a-half-mile speedway today and went through testing sessions. We'll get to it in a second. I'm Jack Aru, Tony Kanan, who was part of that testing group in his Chip Ganassi American Legion number 1, will be joining me in just a few moments. The reason for Tony Kanan's tardiness is what I'm about to tell you. At the end of the day, Scott Dixon had the fastest time at 227.187. Now, keep in mind, there was a lot of, uh, shall we say, group running. So these aren't, you know, clean laps. These are what we call laps with a toe. Connor Daly for ECR, uh, second quickest. And then from Junkos Allinger Racing, that single car team, the little team that could, Callum Iliot, after passing his rookie ROP, ended up being third fastest. Then Santonio Ferrucci, who was part of the Dreyer and Reinbold uh, one-off effort, as uh, Dennis Reinbold and uh, the DNR team always compete in the Indianapolis 500, goes back several generations, was fourth. Rounding out the 10 was Marcus Erickson, Alexander Rossi, Elio Castroneves, J.R. Hildebrand, Colton Herta, and Takuma Sato. Now, the reason why I bring it up, of those 10, three former Indy 500 champions were involved in accidents and some of them were pretty spectacular tony Kanan joins me now from the indianapolis motor speedway as he's on his way back to his home and tk i just mentioned the three indy 500 champions that uh well absolutely astonished everybody by either spinning their cars on the uh pit out lane and in some cases starting with with uh, alexander rossi this morning uh, a harmless 360, but that wasn't the case when Elio Castroneves lost control of his car. And then when when uh, Will Power experienced the exact same thing, Colton Herta crashed as he was trying to avoid that spinning Will Power. I know you're the chairman of the, the driver advisory board. The uh, practice day was shortened and stopped after that spin and ensuing crash by Colton Herta. So I know you've been pretty busy. What are the latest updates on what's going on over there? Yeah, Jack. So over the winter, they actually put a seal on the racetrack and on the apron, which this seal actually helps to conserve the asphalt, which is it's completely different than the stuff that we talk about, the you know, in Texas and stuff. Um, right. 
helps the track actually to dry quicker when it rains. But apparently something happened on the apron and we, I mean, it's, it was so slippery from the get go. And what happens, I mean, one of those things that are not, there is no coincidence in racing, Jack. And you said it, I mean, three Indy 500 winners and guys that have a lot of experience making mistakes, it's telling you something, it's a warning. And I understand why they stopped it. Um, we don't have the answer why this is doing and what's doing. It's definitely not the weather because we ran before like that. They, you know, obviously they had other types of series racing uh, and the road course that they use that part of the track. So we, we don't have an explanation. Obviously, IndyCar with 30 minutes to go, you don't want to risk somebody running up the track like it almost happened between Colton and, and Will and have a Zanardi situation there for people that are not aware, you know, having a car going 200 miles an hour, hitting a car that's stop in the middle of the corner. So they, we all decided to stop and assess the situation. Um, obviously, people are saying, well, are you guys going to fix it for tomorrow? Or oh, there is no quick fix like that. But then we can run a two-stage two pit lane speed limit up until then. We can just tell everybody to slow down. But then, then to Will's point, we just sent an email out to the Drivers Association and Will said, guys, I thought I was going pretty slow. So, And Will is not the type of guy that would, you know, say, oh, I was trying to be the hero on a warm-up lane. So I think one of the solutions will be to have the two-stage pit lane speed limit. We go 60 miles an hour in the pits and we pass uh, in the apron. We go 80 miles an hour all the way out to turn two until they can solve the problem. But uh, it's definitely concerning, but it's something very unusual. Uh, that it won't be an issue by the time it comes. No, and I and I can give you an update, TK, because while we you were busy working with the drivers' council, uh, I was working my sources, and uh, uh, Ed Ed Carpenter uh, revealed because he and you know his background, his family, the the the, the and George family were the were the proprietors for so many years of the speedway, so he was aware and revealed that this sealer that you're talking about, which basically what it does is not only preserves the asphalt, but as you just alluded to, makes for quick drying and after after rain. And we saw it this morning when rain uh, fell and delayed the start. They had never before, this is the latest information I received, uh, they had never before applied it to the uh, pit out lane. It had been applied before to the track, and I certainly... Uh, it was a very uneventful practice on the racetrack. It was getting off a of pit road on the acceleration lane. So uh, the quick fix, like you say, I loved I loved your interview with uh, Marty Snyder when you said, well, uh, they have two choices and I'm going to send the email. They can slow down or they can just have the graduated, as you just alluded to. So we'll keep track of that. The good news is that coming up in about four minutes, we will uh, be joined by the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway so we can get the latest updates there. But give me the update because fans are going to go to IndyCar.com and they're going to be looking at these practice times and they're going to sit there and they're going to think, oh, wow, look at this one. Oh, you know, gee, look at Tony Kanan. He's back there in 21st. There were so many assorted agendas during this test session and people, we all tend to forget, TK, 
People forget it's a test. You had a punch list. Chip Ganassi Racing had a punch list. Every team that was there. So what can we take away from what we saw in day one? Nothing. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> Basically nothing. I mean, I'm not saying so. This is I, I'm gonna give you guys an insight because obviously it's our show. I can say whatever I want, you you and I, right? And, and right. I'm giving you an insight of our team. We have five cars, five very experienced race car drivers at the speedway, and obviously Jimmy and the ovals. I mean, you know, so we divide, like you said, Jack, we divide some tasks that some drivers gotta do some things. I mean, some guys are were set to go fast, some guys were set to test some parts. Some guys were set to do some long runs with different things that we're trying to achieve as far as data numbers and stuff. So that is nothing there that you guys can say after tomorrow's, oh, we know who's going to win this thing or we know right. who's strong. That is nothing. It's not even May yet. So it's fun. It's fun to be fast, but I we cannot take anything, like literally anything, uh, any conclusions who is strong and who is not from these two days because we're not using, I mean, as far as our team, and I'm pretty sure all the other teams are too, we're not using that to show our hands. And you don't want to do that because remember, we're still 39 days away from the race. 39 days, the, the big teams, they're still going to go back to the wind tunnel. They're still going to go back to their simulations and they're still going to dig. You show your hands too much right now, you're inviting people to work harder. Because that's yeah. just the nature, right, Jack? So, so again, to make a story short, there is nothing to take from the lap times from today and tomorrow. No, but I do think one good takeaway was seeing that all of the rookies, uh, and it was, forgive me, but also, you know, you have to you have to take the refresher if you've been away. And to see Juan Pablo Montoya out there with the rookie orientation getting his refresher. But they've all passed for flying colors. And, and that is probably the only takeaway uh, from day one and most likely day two. But, partner, I got to tell you, I got a bone to pick with you before we go to break, okay? Okay. Um, you know, I, I loved your interview in, uh, you know, explaining the number one uh, you know, on your on your car and your commitment to the American Legion and, you know, the suicide issue that we deal with with, with veterans. But uh, then you talked about how busy you are. And you outlined everything that you're doing except this show. I forgot about the show. I know. Because, you yeah. know, because the show is fun, Jack. So, oh, you know, I see. It's, it's not an <laughs> obligation that you go, oh, man, I have to see Nate and Jack tonight. You know, that's no. just, but yes, it's my bad. I apologize to you, to the listener of the show. It will never happen again. And well, when I win the 500, I'm going to say, guys, by the way, Sunday on my interview on the podium says, by the way, tune in for Wednesday night. Jack and I will be talking about my win. There you yeah, go. That's a promise. See, I, look, I've known you for years and knew that it was just, uh, you know, uh, an error on your part. But, uh, well, I had to prop up our producer, Nate Lee. He was he was really really hurt by that, but now that we've gotten the bottom line, and now that we know when you go to win your second Indianapolis 500 in Victory Lane after you sip the milk, you'll give the kudos to a brick by brick in the interview. And I'll mention Nate. I promise I'll mention Nate, and I will go. I won't call him Nathan. I'll call him Nate. 
Sounds like a plan. Hey, don't go anywhere because we've just gotten started. Getting to the bottom of what's going on with uh, the sealer, and it's really not a sealer that's being used and was applied to the pit uh, pit lane, or actually the uh, the acceleration lane at the speedway that caused uh, some some really scary spins. No better guy to go to than the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and get the latest updates. We shall visit with Jay Douglas Bowles, the president of IMS, after we take this little time out. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Hi, it's Jack Aroot. I welcome you to embrace the power and speed of the NTT IndyCar Series here on Sirius XM. Each week at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Audio Channel 85, myself and former Indy 500 champion Tony Kanaan get you caught up with all the latest news and notes on Brick by Brick. Also, hear every race all season long on Sirius XM IndyCar Nation Channel 160. And, as always, on the Sirius XM app, free for most subscribers. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Hi, welcome back with Tony Kanan. I'm Jack Root recapping day one, abbreviated as it was, of testing in preparation for the Indianapolis 500. And TK, talk about the testing, but we tend to forget that there's still two road racing events before we get to opening day for the Indianapolis 500 and qualifying and et cetera. But uh, we'll certainly break down Barber coming up next weekend in uh, next Wednesday's show. But I want to circle back to where an awful lot of people were paying attention today, and that was your uh, teammate driving the Carvana number 48, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, and I don't know, it's, it's awfully hard when you're t- sitting in front of a TV, I don't care how big it is, to really get a true sense. But he certainly looked comfortable out there you are mentoring him and you're very close to him what was the feedback from jj having a full field of cars out there i mean he was like he's back to his you know his turf i I, you know he had a pretty bad um experience in in long beach right he came out of texas with an awesome result so his confidence was up and he's like man now you know now we're gonna go to long beach and we're gonna do this and that and, and and it got a little bit of a setback and got back in the car today like a typical champion still wearing his brace he still has a rod you know inside his hand which is not going to go away but he's healing and first session he was 222 right away the car was pretty comfortable so i mean it, he's he has dario there full time i i i don't have as much time because obviously now i'm driving as well but we chat before i chat with him just before i left the track I, I, I said it before, Jack. He He's going to be a contender for this race for sure. Outside of Chip Ganassi Racing, we've talked all season long about the renewed, uh, uh, shall we say, power, no pun intended, of uh, Team Penske. Uh, watching them today, they were certainly on their own typical Team Penske agenda. Nobody, uh, you know, startling anybody, nothing going on that I think it was of any consequence. But those of us that have spent years and years and years, even more years than you, Kanan, uh, you know, wandering around during 
practice and tests at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, you, you just kind of, as you look over, you can go when people are a little confident. Did you happen to catch a glance in the Team Penske garage and see if there was the kind of confidence that they seem to have exhibited in the first three events of the season? You know, the, the, the thing is they don't show that, right? They they always look the same. Yeah. If it's good, they look the same. If it's bad, you can't never read them. But, Jack, like I said on the before the break, everybody's hiding. Everybody's just yeah. making yeah. sure that everything's okay. So they're they're strong. They're gonna be there, and and that is no question. But yeah, everybody's trying to play poker face right now. Well, I I will tell you because you were probably unaware of it. While you and Marty were you know engaged in your interview and trying to you trying to explain to Marty as you know the head man at the drivers council what was going to happen with the drivers email change and everything that was going to take place this evening, uh, you got photo bombed. I don't know if you knew that, Joseph Newgarden. While you were busy in earnest trying to explain things to all of a sudden, New Garden is behind you, uh, and it was a classic photo bomb. So remember, TK, you don't get mad, you get even, all right? Yeah, he was. He was right there. Hey, we're waiting on, we're waiting on the president of uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. No surprise that probably things are going to be a little delayed. I should let you know, too, that Nate Ryan from NBC Sports, who has been patrolling up and down Gasoline Alley and the Pit Road area during this test, will be joining us as well to kind of give us a total perspective uh, of what what actually was accomplished and what he feels are some of the issues that are at hand. But recapping, if you just joined us, what started out uh, a day that was hampered by some weather early and uh, the track drying done very, very quickly. And eventually the day became a good day for practice and a relatively uneventful day for practice. First, it was Alexander Rossi, but that's when the temperatures were down there in the 50s. And uh, he did a harmless 360 and no harm, no foul. And then a little bit later, Elio Castroneves, who is going after his fifth Indianapolis 500 in a very scary and inexplicable moment, was hurtling off at a, at a relatively maybe 70, 80, maybe 90 miles an hour coming out of the pit exit. And all of a sudden, his car just shot off into uh, the turn uh, turn two uh, safer barrier and uh, took the right side right off of the car and Elio was uh, eclectic because that was his winning Indy 500 car from one year ago and TK you know when when you've got a car uh, just look if the cars that are going to Barber they're probably being assembled this week the cars that were in that test have probably the assembly process probably began maybe a week after last year's Indianapolis 500? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we all have, uh, I mean, the big teams, right? But we all have the, the oval cars. But the Indy 500 car, it's, it has a special body work. I mean, even though you run that tub, like they probably ran that car in Texas. But the body work, it's like all these teams have a spare body work that we massage. We call them, we massage them. You know, they fit them in the car and they like trim the edges and we we don't wrap them anymore. We paint them. We do like so. We were all 
running our cars right now, the, the good stuff, because you need to make sure that all works, that all fits. And, you know, the bodywork, it gets hot because of the radiator. So they kind of like the carbon fiber, the carbon sets in. So it's like you run this test and then it goes back to the shop. They retrim everything, everything fitted. Okay, good, good to go. And we don't have like in our team, for instance, we don't have spares like you know the, we have the side pots but not those side pots because although they come from the lara they're the same but again they're not sending this and that so Ali was really upset because that was his car so i guess the team is just gonna have some extra work to they're gonna have to buy new ones and they're gonna have to redo those for the race you know and for anybody that was watching and look kudos go to peacock because that was great coverage and uh, certainly they provided forget what was happening out on the racetrack it was the opportunity and it was like don't think that this is an original idea nbc with all due respect this is what we used to do on espn oh so many years ago when practice would start on the first of may and every day from 11 a.m to when the gun went off at 6 p.m we would be on the air with bob jenkins and yours truly and gary gerald and we would get the opportunity to talk at length to drivers and that was what was the most fascinating part of the day for me tk is why especially while the rookies were going through rop a lot of the veterans and and certainly uh, marty snyder had a great opportunity to sit down and talk to some folks and the one that stood out to me and I, I'm, I'm i'm sure that others that watched would have noticed it too. It was a level of honesty, and we're going to talk to Nate Ryan about this, of Pato Award pretty much admitting that he has to find a, a, a better headspace, that in, in many, many ways, uh, you know, some of the things away from the racetrack exacerbated what was going on with the race car. Let's face it, uh, Award not having an Aero McLaren SP, uh, specifically his car, not having the beginning of a season that they had hoped for. And, uh, you know, Pato admitted, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he just basically said, I got to the point now where I just want to live in the moment. I'm not going to worry about things down the road, which was code speak for, uh, I'm not going to worry about what's going on with Colton Herta and, and McLaren and an F1 test ride, et cetera. But I'm going to concentrate on getting back into the hunt uh it, you know you could have told them that at the beginning of the season right right but that's that's part of the learning process i just yeah. think that um that was kind of in my opinion again this is my view he was pretty harsh with some of the comments he made towards the team a team that gave him the opportunity that he has we have to remember Pato was a champion, but then he went, you know, he had this, he went to Japan. He was hired by Red Bull. Then Red Bull let him go. And Zach Brown, quote unquote, rescued him and brought him up. And I think he was extremely harsh with some of the comments. He wasn't happy with, you know, the team. He wasn't happy when they, they did a deal with Herta, which is, and I'm sorry to say it like this, but it's none of his business. He's hired to drive an IndyCar and win races in IndyCar. What the team as a business point, that was the decision, it was a business decision for the team. What they do doesn't regard or doesn't regard to him. He needs to just like, and he's not leading the championship to have a voice like that. Looking from the outside, that would be me talking to him saying, dude, 
you're focusing on the wrong. And I think he came, somebody talked to him or he came to the conclusion, yeah. kudos to him. But it was kind of more of like a, also as an apology saying, guys, I'm sorry. You know, I, I shouldn't have said that. Or he might did that between closed doors. Apology, you know what I mean? But it's not, that's not the way to start. You can shoot yourself in the foot, uh, you know, like that. So glad that he did. Glad that he found, uh, you know, he's in a better headspace, as he said. And then I'm glad that he found, and he recognized that because it's hard else. One thing is to, to realize what you've done. Second thing is to come out in public and say it. So kudos to him. Hopefully he will, you know, it's guys, we only had three races this season. So it's like, it's plenty of time to recover. And, and oh, by the way, the most drivers, you know, Hey, Oh, by the way, DK, everybody's neglecting one of the critical points. All right. So there's been uh, three races, right? The Indianapolis 500 pays double points. Jack, right. honestly, regardless of the championship, you win the Indy 500, all those problems are going to be gone. Yeah, so they're going to go away. The, the, yeah. Right. No, but Nobody's getting... going to remember that Pato complained <laughs> about whatever he complained. So we'll be fine. Yeah, but he's not going to. But he's not going to win. You're going to win because yeah, of well, the promises that you made. All right. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, we got to give him a, at least an option to win. I'm not, you know, not saying he will. What What do you think of the the car designs for Arrow McLaren? I mean, with it. it there's some funky colors there, aren't there? It's it, it looks pretty cool in person. I they have this flat it? paint, okay. and uh, you know, but it's it's it reminds me. I'm back in. I'm gonna sound so old right now, but it reminds me more of like the Benetton back in the days. You know, full colors. Oh and, yeah. You know, like yeah. honestly, it's it's a preference. But if you look nowadays, I, I was I was mentioning that to the guys today. It's like racing paint became so boring every car is blue or white or like i'm like come on guys let's let you know put some stripes in big i mean remember my rookie of year car in 98 oh was, yeah like i'm like you know like you remember the target cars they were red but then they had that that you know the lightning thing so anyway i like it i really like it. i i, I do too and uh you know it's it, it to me here's the way i look at it the the group that designed it all right it, they're 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 geared towards the youth of America, and one of the reasons why I submit to all of you that the TV ratings are some of the highest that they've been in the last decade are because we are appealing to the younger generation. Guys like me, we've already had our opportunity. Okay, we got all wound up over the, the Team Penske. Team Marlboro cars, or when Emerson Fittipaldi showed up from Formula One with a totally pink car. I like what I see with Aero McLaren. Hey, coming up next, we'll continue with our examination of what actually unfolded in day one of this two-day Indy 500 test session after we go to this timeout. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. We're hitting the apex to bring you the hottest news from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Uh, welcome back. Uh, late word from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, TK. And it really does not surprise either you or me. Unfortunately, Doug Bowles will not be able to join us as the entire management team of Doug Bowles and Jay Fry and uh, the NTT IndyCar Series, hard at work trying to figure out what actually happened 
on that pit road or on that what we call acceleration lane uh, that caused those three untimely and incredibly crazy spinouts. And it's it, it's it, it's a, a situation where if you're piecing the things together, and even you and I in our conversations are discovering, uh, one of the things that I did find very interesting due to the early cancellation of the final 30 minutes of practice, you know, the folks at Firestone Tire and Rubber Company, they have what they call a grip meter. I know you've seen it. Yeah, oh, and yeah. What, and, and, and it provides very accurate assessment of what the particular grip level is. Well, they had taken the grip levels for the racetrack itself, and there was more grip this year than there was last season, mm-hmm. which kind of indicates to me, well, that's a good thing. But then, lo and behold, and again, connecting the dots, once the track was closed for the night, here come all the Firestone engineers with that grip meter, and they weren't out on the racetrack, TK. They were going down all the way through from the end of pit road through the acceleration lane around turns one and two right out to where it dumps out down on the backstretch. I'd like to have been a fly on the wall or at least been able to look over the shoulder of that engineer. I'll guarantee you that the grip level is nowhere near what it is on the racetrack. But as you said, how do you fix it for tomorrow? Well, for tomorrow, like I said in the beginning yeah. of the show, for somebody that just joined in, either you slow down or you put the two-stage pit lane speed limit that we use in Texas and we use in some other in St. Louis uh, and some other tracks. So I think that's probably the, mo- it, the most sensible thing to do. And I'm telling you, Doug didn't show up on the show because he's probably down at the racetrack thinking because they're not worrying about tomorrow only, Jack. They're worrying about a race that it will be in 39 days. Because Absolutely. Today... Yeah. It was the coldest day we're probably going to have. I mean, you never know, Indiana, but, uh, and we had a tons of downforce. You get a hot day, people would not even stay on track on that apron. But bringing that subject, we were talking on break, and I pointed out to you, you guys need to remember that they grind the track a few years back. That uh, the, 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 the product that they put on the track works, works perfect at the racetrack. Why did they make the decision to put it on the apron or warm-up lane or acceleration lane, whatever you guys want to call? Because when it rains, that is the last thing to get dry. So sometimes the track was dry, but pit lane and the acceleration lanes, they were not dried and we couldn't go green. So it was very sensible and very smart for them to say, all right, well, it works at the racetrack. It's the same track. Let's do it. Now, one thing that I don't think it crosses crossed anybody's mind, not either mine or anybody's, was it is not the same asphalt because the asphalt and the racetrack is being grinded, it's being repaved, and they did not do that to that asphalt. So probably a reaction. I would love to hear. I mean, I know Firestone measured, but I have to say, Jack, if it was that big of a deal, so that puts me in doubt how much accurate it is what they measure as far as grip, <laughs> I think we would have known already because that's that's safety, right? We we would have known if it was something extremely drastic or dramatic uh, as far as grip. So I, I don't have the answer for that. But that was the whole point behind doing this. But And, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, th- look, if somebody's going to fix something, 
It's Doug and Roger Penske, and this place will be spotless. And the apron probably have more grip than any other place we've ever been. Right. By the time to <laughs> hey, uh, I do want to take uh, full advantage of the fact that you are our resident insider. Okay. And okay. you talked about it. And so did, you know, everybody on the Peacock uh, telecast talked about the driver's council and you're the chairman of the driver's council. Uh, I think James Hinscliffe actually is Jimmy, the, is James the, is as well. He's the secretary. He's the man that runs he's the, the, he's show. the Yeah, he's the secretary, he said. But can you explain <laughs> to the listeners the driver's council, and then they kept calling calling it the driver's email chain. So yep. the process that takes place, not just with this incident, but after every race on the NTT IndyCar Series schedule, this driver's council and the email driver's chain. Yeah, we have obviously everybody's email, everybody that races, and a couple of the guys like me, Hinch, that we have a you know a lot of experience. We're part of that. If any concerns, uh, improvements, uh, usually complaints, <laughs> to be honest, uh, <laughs> are raised over a race weekend, that gets put on an email to everybody, and with questions, comments, or whatever you have to say. So basically, it's an open channel for us to vote for us to decide and it doesn't mean what we decide it's going to get done but at, at least it shows okay majority won on the decision that the skies are blue whatever um i'll take that to jay and say jay us as drivers this is what we think it's best and jay uh fry makes made a really good connection with us and and usually he listens and he says okay well we can do that or we cannot do that because this, this, because a lot of us, we, we just think sometimes the decisions are simple, but then involve a lot of other things. And that is actually my biggest, um, I would say my biggest challenge to tell the guys is guys, this is obvious, but it's not that obvious. Think about the big picture. Think about this decision. If we make this decision here, it's going to affect this, 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 and that, and it's not good. So that is always, I'm the guy that has to show the compromise, right? Um, I mean, because obviously I've been around for a long time, but we don't agree all the time, but that's the email chain. So basically the email chain right now, which I just finished while we were on break, it was, if you guys have a decision or a suggestion, put it in and, and, and I'll take it to, to Jay. And obviously um, not to get into much detail because it's kind of private. I mean, I'm, I'm giving you guys a little bit of an insight, but basically the majority is going to win. Whoever has, we all have, pretty much the same opinion on this or we're going to present that to IndyCar and if they're going to evaluate and if they have a better solution they will present to us and we're going to go yep perfect it's basically it's a teamwork between us and IndyCar it's not us against them or them against us it's just it's a better way a more organized way to communicate because in the past Jack I would go to Jay Fry then Dixon would go to Jay Fry and then Carpenter will go to Jay. I was like, guys, why do we need it? Let's concentrate on us and we'll take one person to go. We all agree on this, this, and that. So that is the email chain of the we call the drivers association. Wow, I'm I'm honored that co-hosting on Brick by Brick. I've never <laughs> known a chairman of a driver's council <laughs> ever it's before not a big in my deal. life. <laughs> Come on. Well, it is a big deal. Just you don't believe me? Let's check in with our next guest from NBC Sports. Nate Ryan joins us. Nate, knowing a chairman of a council, that's a big deal, right? 
a huge deal. I, I feel like I should come on here to interview TK for all the news. That, no, 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 no. Don't think that. See, that was going to say, Jack, you know how, how twisted this world is. Or, you know, like, he, you guys interview me all my life. I'm getting to interview Nate. So, you know, it, it, it's just different times. It's different times. So, Nate, uh, we've gotten TK's, well, sense of what, in all the years that I covered the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, this has to be one of the craziest days, and not with what was unfolding out on the racetrack, but quite simply getting from pit road back out onto the racetrack. Uh, I'm sure you've been hard at work. What's the latest that you've picked up on? Yeah, I mean, I probably can't add a, a ton more than what you guys are talking about, Jack. I mean, just, you know, from what I observed of it is that the first half of the day felt relatively normal, you know, aside from the Rossi incident, but it didn't seem like that was going to lead to something big. And it, it felt a lot like, you know, spring training. Everybody was sort of happy. The day was warming up. Everybody was smiling. Everybody was finding their cars. And then to have all that chaos in the last hour or two, I always say that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of racing series it is. What's what's bad for drivers is often good for, for media and fans in terms of the drama and the excitement. And that's what today felt like. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't fun for Elio and Erda, Herta and, and everybody involved, but for us watching, I think this was a much more compelling day one Indy 500 test session on Peacock than we could have expected. Yeah. I mean, obviously Nate, to add to your, uh, you know, your comments as the day progresses, you get braver. You're trying, you know, you already warmed the tires. You're trying to get the perfect draft so that your spotter will say, hey, uh, you know, there are four cars coming into turn one. So and then your guy in the race, hurry up. And you try to hurry up. I mean, I talked to Devlin De Francesco and he says, Is he, they, my guys told me that I had to go flat in the apron. I said, well, yeah, not today, though. I mean, I hope you did, you know, so... <laughs> And that's basically what happened. But I don't disagree with you. I think it added a lot of drama. It's everywhere right now. I mean, good or bad, I don't think it's really bad. It's just a situation people are going to be talking about. And, and it is what it is. But my question, actually, Nate, I have a, you know, you ask me tough questions throughout my career. So I save one specifically for you today. He, Nate, Excellent. he's been working on this for two weeks. <laughs> Excellent. No, that wait. is, uh, so not to, like, as we're talking about some controversy and some, like, uh, you know, big, it's, it was a big first day, I have to say. What is your take on, there's a lot of debate about, we're just coming back from COVID. We're going to have a sold out, you know, 500, probably bigger than the 100 Indy 500. The biggest we've ever seen, obviously, after covid we, we're being debating. People are asking, wow, it's only 32 cars in the grid right now. On your, mm -hmm. it's your take. I mean, do you think it's a must to have 33 cars? Do you think it's, it hurts the show if we don't? Because it's clearly, I mean, I can tell, I can say affirmative because from inside, obviously, I'm driving. We're not going to have bump. We're not going to have 34 cars. Mm -hmm. I, I, My opinion, I can actually say it. I think we'll have 33, but that's not the question. The question is, from your experience, you've been around, you know, covering us for a long time. Is it a big deal not to have it if we don't? I think it is a big deal, TK. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw what Roger Penske's comments were at the Indy Star a few weeks ago, which is that, you know, commercially, and to your point, it, it doesn't really matter commercially, business-wise, 
I mean, there are you can go back and look at the history books as to why there are 33 cars. It has to do with like the, the amount of space between cars around a two and a half mile racetrack. It's really sort of arcane and weird that that's the number they landed on so many years ago, but that's the number. And so commercially, as Roger Penske says, does it matter if you have 32 cars? I don't think it would diminish the show at all or the, you know, the greatest spectacle in racing is still going to be the Indy 500. It's still going to be, you know, probably at least two dozen guys who will be able to win that race on May 29th. But in terms of the buildup to it and the hype and and the storylines you kind of get surrounding it, if there are fewer than 33 cars, I think it's ma- it matters because it is something that myself and and others in the news media are going to be talking about. And you know, as you know, like I, I primarily cover NASCAR uh, mm-hmm. throughout my career, and I know that that is a topic of discussion. They, they've kind of solved it a little bit with their charter system, but whenever they would have fields that would be less than full, quote unquote full. It would be a topic of discussion, even though the races weren't necessarily less competitive. In some ways, they'd be more competitive, but mm-hmm. it's it's still going to be a focus. So um, I guess I'd answer it two ways, TK, and say I, I don't think it impacts the quality of the race. But in terms of the narrative around it, I think they definitely want to have 33 cars. And I think it's a shame, you know, like Townsend Bell said on Peacock today, if they don't have bump day as, as you think they probably won't. And I, I probably have to agree with you. I, I think that would be a shame because I think that drama the last few years has been good. Right. Okay. Well, and let, let me come come full circle with this. There have been years where they have been either through litigation uh, or what have you, where there's been more than 33 cars forced into the starting grid. I, I If I remember, like, well, maybe my second year, right after Ben-Hur beat Spartacus, uh, there was like there was like 38 cars that were there. So the, the magic number of 33, but... Unlike for so many years, guys, uh, and unlike in NASCAR, what really dictates, it's not the availability of chassis. It's the fact that we have an engine program where, and certainly this is occurring in NASCAR as well, Nate, and you can weigh in on this. You've transitioned from a shade tree mechanic building his Offenhauser engine or even going back to when A.J. Foyt had his Coyote Fords to you lease engines from two suppliers. Yep. And, yep. and, and, yeah. I, su- and I submit to you, that is why Roger and Jay Fry and everybody at, at IndyCar want a third engine supplier so that when it comes to the Indianapolis 500, we can fulfill Townsend Bell and a lot of IndyCar nations wish and have one-offs try to make it into the field because there will be an ample supply of engines and couple that. And I don't mean to, to take up all of this time is all these, both these engine manufacturers thought they were going to be dealing with an electrified uh, engine formula in 2023 that now realistically has been pushed out to 2024. Yeah. That's, that's the shame of it, Jack. And you're right. I mean, like it's because it's so reg regimented and structured and, and formalized now that it's not the old days of, as you said, the independence and run what you brung and you can just show up and, you know, find a way into the field. It, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of work and a lot of that will be solved the minute they have another manufacturer in the series. And it certainly sounds like it's trending in that direction when they get this new electrified, you know, hybrid style engine in 2024, but that's still two years out. So um, right. it's, it's going to be a wait. Yeah. But guys think about this. Okay. I, I, I didn't mean actually to, to make the whole show about this or, or Nate interview about this, but also that is a factor that 
we went from 21, 22 full-time entries to 26. So yeah. some of the field ends for the 500 became a full-time ride. So actually that is a positive when you look about the whole championship. But then I agree with you, Nate, when you come down to the 500, I mean, if they set a 33 cars, then they should have thought about making a 30 car field or whatever that is to change that if, if you want to avoid it. But it is a good problem to have and not a, such a good problem to have because we increase the number of full timers, right? Full teams that are back, like the Juncos type of guys that will only do this race and, and, and so on. So that is probably one of the reasons when people ask me to try to explain to them, it's that. And, and, and on top of that, when you, when you, when you go and you say, such a competitive field and, and some people like what about the quality of the cars that you're going to put on the field as well just to have it you know what i mean and yes you had a drama when fernando alonso doesn't qualify but you put john d and and jack a to fight Ooh. and they don't know who they are wow it, it, it doesn't really matter you know what i mean that's that's i'm not saying it doesn't matter to have 33 cars i still believe you'll see it it will be one one more card to fill the field for oh, sure. I, I, I think there's no question. And if you don't study history, you're doomed to make the same mistakes. There was a period of time back in the IRL days, folks, when there, it was questionable whether there would be 33 cars. And you know who resolved that issue? It was one A.J. Foyt who sent me, of all people, down to talk to Billy Boat and said, hey, A.J. wants to talk to you. And the next thing you know, faster than maybe willpower spun out of the pit road today. Here they're fitting Billy Boat in, and he, and, and he makes the field, and the tradition of 33 cars was preserved. I think there's no question that come race day, there will be 11 rows, three abreast, and all of this is just, well, like you said, Nate, something that the media needs to pay attention to because it's part of the tradition. It would be like all of a sudden when Emerson Fittipaldi decided he wasn't going to drink the milk because he wanted to promote his orange juice groves in Brazil. Okay. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and to Kike's point, you know, it, it's a good problem to have, but like the problem is it's it, the problem is in the biggest race of the year. And, and that's the yeah. only thing about it right. because and TK is absolutely right. I mean, you can go to so many other races on the schedule right now, like Toronto, Nashville. Like they're trying to talk, they're talking about like how do we have enough grid spaces for all these teams we have now? So it's this weird dichotomy, this contrast of it, biggest race of the year. We're talking about like, oh, will they be one short? And virtually every other race this year, we're talking about, especially the street courses. You know, do we have too many cars for the IndyCar series right now? <laughs> it's it's crazy to think about that that balance. And overall, of course, the overarching story is IndyCar is in the upswing. It's in a really good place. It's just when it's uh, talking about it in the you know the the prism of through the prism of the Indy 500, that's where it gets tricky. Well, and let's not forget that that prism is what an awful lot of people that only watch one race, uh, you know, tune in on uh, Memorial Day afternoon. It's part of the big you know, uh, you know, three peak that everybody so thoroughly enjoys that culminates with where most likely you'll be the uh, Coke 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So I want to tap into your NASCAR abilities, uh, an awful lot of speculation. Uh, they were talking today about the last NASCAR guy that tackled the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was Kurt Busch. Who's on the horizon, Nate Ryan, that you think 
if the the situation, you know, as far as having to start in the rear because you missed the stupid drivers meeting, could be resolved. And I think when you've got the likes of O'Donnell and Fry, they can eventually resolve that. Who's the next one that's going to take a flyer from NASCAR and try to make it into the Indianapolis 500? Well, I, I think the name on everybody's list, Jack, certainly would be Kyle Larson. And you know, he's been on Roger Penske's list as well. Roger Penske singled him out when when Larson won that dirt race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway last year on the big uh, Brickyard weekend uh, for NASCAR and IndyCar. So uh, he'd be number one. But I think you're right. Like, I, I think that down the road, especially with all the, the collegiality that you sort of have right now between NASCAR and IndyCar with Roger Penske, owning the whole shebang on the IndyCar side uh, and, and having such great relationships with people like Jim France and, and Steve Phelps and Steve O'Donnell. Uh, I think they, they probably hopefully will find a way to make this happen in the future. Cause I think a, a name like Kyle Larson, I mean, Kurt Busch was, did a phenomenal job in finishing sixth as a rookie, but I think everybody thinks that if, if Kyle Larson's given the proper training and practice, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not sure it's out of the question this year with Jimmy. I mean, put him in a really good car as, as TK knows, put him in a Ganassi car or Andretti or Penske. I mean, who knows what a really, really talented driver like a Larson can do. So I would love to see it. Well, listen, we appreciate your stopping by. I know you got a bird dog, a lot of uh, stories, especially with what they've decided to, uh, <laughs> to foist upon us in the last <laughs> this first day of testing but we do appreciate your stopping by my friend well i really appreciate you guys having me i appreciate tk's question i, I enjoyed being grilled and uh i actually will be in indy uh next month uh for, for both oh, i'm in trouble i'm in trouble for nbc sports and see my good friend tony <laughs> that's nate ryan from nbc sports so tk i guess the major takeaways from our little 60 minutes together here tonight is a uh, forget it all these practice sessions uh, and these times they don't count for anything and b as chairman of the drivers council you've laid it on the line what guys do you want to do the two simplistic approaches that you've presented to them well, I guess we'll find out tomorrow, won't we? Hey, quick reminder that uh, my, my thanks, of course, to uh, Nate Ryan. But uh, if you want more motorsports conversation, IndyCar interviews, why don't you subscribe to Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel? I know it's self-serving, but it's available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Quick reminder that the executive producer of Brick by Brick is Marissa Revis. Our producer is Nate Lee. But for my partner, Tony Kanan, I'm Jack Root. Go fast tomorrow, TK. Want to remind you, make sure you join us next week when we gather for yet another edition of Brick by Brick right here on NBC Sports Audio Channel 85. <laughs>